I'm still learning. I'm still changing the way I'd like approach motherhood and I still want to learn more and more, you know, how to do it. Because every night you go to bed and it's like, I wish I would do that. Oh, mom guilt. Yeah, I wish you didn't have all that guilt if you do the things right, but it's so, it's so difficult. It's a constant work in progress, motherhood. Yeah, but I, I'm enjoying the process though, just to learn and to be a better person, you know. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. Cushy, we're back. You ready for this? I am ready. Can I call you Cushy on the pod? I was going to say, everyone's like, who's Cushy? That's like a like a, um, like a family nickname that I had when I was a lot younger. Actually, a few people do still call me Cushy. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever called me that before. <laughs> Someone texted me the other day and called you Cush in it. And I was oh, like, oh, Cushy, talking about right. me in a text message, are you? <laughs> well, they were talking about listening to us oh, on the podcast. Oh, of course. And um, how they felt like they were hanging out with us because they've been listening to us on the podcast, but it's just not quite the same as face-to-face. But, yeah, it reminded me of Cushy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. I'm excited about this episode today. Mm -hmm. Very excited. I'm feeling like, you know, I've got kind of like this nice, excited, jittery energy because we literally just wrapped up our chat with our wonderful guest for today, Elsa Pataki, didn't we? Yes. Yes, we did. You and I had some serious butterflies going on in our topics this morning. I was a little nervy. She was lovely to chat to and made us feel very much at ease. So Yeah, she was gorgeous. I just took this little mental holiday while we were talking <laughs> to her because I was just telling you before how much I love Spain. I did a lot of travelling in my 20s and I've been to Spain two or three times, I think, and travelled a lot of the country and just love, 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 love Spain. Spain. I love the Spanish culture. I love their food their and the flavours and my God, like I could eat their cheeses and anchovies and olives and <laughs> the way they do their pickles. And <laughs> Okay, enough because we can't actually go there anytime soon. So let's move on and let's talk about what we have in common today. What have we got? So I was more thinking about something that you and I have been discussing a lot lately which I feel is very relevant to the current pandemic it's also very relevant to me and the kind of grief journey that I'm on since my dad passed away and I'm talking about toxic positivity oh yeah yep we were talking about this recently well you sort of re-brought it to my attention it's something that's like I feel like it's a little bit of a, a buzz topic or a buzzword or something like I've only kind of learnt that that term or that phrase kind of recently but well One way to kind of explain what it means, uh, I did do a bit of a Google. So toxic positivity is the act of focusing on positive things while ignoring or suppressing the negative. So when I said I can relate to it a lot with grief, when people often tend to make comments like, oh, he's in a much better place now or you're so lucky that you have so many beautiful memories or things like that where putting a positive spin on it putting a positive spin on something that's actually a really hard upsetting hurtful situation and then you kind of feel like you're not being heard so you know with the pandemic at the moment we could be going oh we could be living in a much worse situation you know we're so lucky that we have our homes and that our children are healthy and but we're still allowed to feel crap and shit about what's going on in the world and about how we're feeling so Mm. I think we need to be able to have our feelings validated and not always be made to feel like we should look on the positive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that like there's obviously benefits to being an optimist and, you know, being positive but toxic positivity, yeah, is like a false sense of positivity I feel. It's like a distraction from the problem and I think it actually can be really harmful. I think it is definitely a big problem during this pandemic. Like you said, I'm obviously not going to be able to relate on the same way as you, like you said, with grief, but extremely relevant to you. And yeah, the pandemic is relevant to everyone right now. And we just don't need to or shouldn't have to pretend that everything's okay when it isn't. And 
it can be really harmful if you're deflecting from your own or someone else's emotions and not allowing space for emotions like sadness or pain or anger or, you know, emotions which are all a part of the human experience really. Yeah. And sometimes... You need to live through those emotions and like... You need to. And sometimes those emotions can be quite transient too. Like they can just sort of come and go. And if you allow yourself to feel them then sometimes you allow yourself to overcome them. But if you don't, it can turn into like a real shame or or kind of a guilt and that's really unhealthy and that's really harmful. And you can kind of do it to yourself by like, and I personally struggle with this, you know, I am so lucky, I am so privileged, I have a great life, I'm born in a very privileged country, all these sort of things. So why do you feel sad? Why do you feel angry? You know, why are you all of that's these That's the perfect feelings? example, Soph, exactly what you just said. Yeah, but doesn't like feelings are what they are and everyone's situation is their feelings are relevant to their situation and you know there's just there's so much tragedy in the world like you know there's there's so many issues that get me down so therefore I like yeah almost put this cloud over myself like you don't have anything to complain about like you know stop being such a sook you know kind of be grateful for what you've got and you can't help the way you feel though but you can't help the way you feel, yeah. And, yeah, so therefore I suppose in some ways trying to be positive or putting on this shield of positivity all the time can be unhealthy. Where did it come from for you? Like what was it that sparked you to talk about this topic? Or? I suppose for me like going back to the the sudden death of my father and doing a lot of reading since then also like I've been – on and off seeing a psychologist and so she's spoken about toxic positivity a lot so a lot of it came from there and and that would more come from me kind of venting to her about certain things that have been said or situations that have happened and yeah I feel like I've learnt a lot since kind of realizing what toxic positivity is I mean often when people make or say things like it is what it is or like think of all the things, you know, that you've got to be grateful for. Often it is well-intentioned but people just, they just don't know what else to say and some people don't know how to be empathetic and it's and they find it confronting when you're upset about, you know, for me losing my dad or and they honestly they just don't know what to say but they don't realise by just turning and putting a positive spin that can it can actually be harmful to like your own mental health and well-being because then you start to question oh should I still be feeling this way I should be focusing on the positives or the good times and then you're not allowing yourself to feel certain emotions but they're still going to be there and they're just going to kind of manifest inside you so it really isn't healthy just curdle inside you and come out in some like rage or (laughs) some really unhealthy way I am all for positivity I think there is a place for it I'm a positive person but I think if someone is expressing to you that they're upset or they're struggling with something then you need to let them feel that way and validate them that it's okay yeah yeah not be like oh focus on the positives because that's not helpful for anybody yeah allow the space I I think it's great that it was sort of re-brought to your attention recently and you know it's something that's obviously got you considering it and then I'm glad and grateful that you have then reminded myself and I think Mackie was even saying that you had, you know, you were sort of reminding him of it. You know, it's great that you're sort of reminding the people around you that it is okay just to feel what you're feeling and and not to kind of suppress your own feelings just because you want to appear more positive or or more grateful or less like a sook. <laughs> anyway, there are some great articles on it, so maybe we can share some because I highly recommend, yeah, learning a little bit more about this because I feel like well, for you and I we can both say that it has been a positive, mm. positive thing. It's like a good vibes only mindset and not everything in life is always a good vibe, even though we're all about the good vibes. <laughs> There's a time and a place. Well, while we're on the good vibes... <laughs> Um, we did mention before that we had an incredible chat with the amazing Elsa Pataki. We did. So we can't wait to share that with you. She was absolutely divine. She was so down to earth and it was actually a really heartwarming chat, don't you think, Soph? Yeah, she was really sweet, really, really, really honest and, and yeah, shared some 
sort of honest truths about motherhood, which was really refreshing. Um, you know, we so enjoyed getting to know her, getting to know a bit more about her family life. And I guess in Australia, Elsa is mostly known as the wife of Chris Hemsworth, but that definitely doesn't define Elsa. She is a star in her native Spain with dozens of film and television credits to her name. And I must say, I think she's like a Spanish goddess. <laughs> she's the absolute picture of health. Yeah. Like she's, she's beautiful and she just looks so fit and healthy. She also wears many other hats, so to speak. She's a model, she's a brand ambassador and, of course, a mother to three beautiful children. We loved learning all about her hiatus from her career to raise her children and cultivate the family lifestyle that her and her husband Chris dreamed of. Mm, in Byron. How was she telling us about the whales out her window? I was like, can you not? Oh, I know. <laughs> Jealousy <laughs> levels right now. I'm looking right at now. the grey clouds outside <laughs> in <Melbourne>. here in <laughs> Melbourne. Um, you know, we talked about all things relationships, health and well-being, mum life, finding the balance of career and parenthood and a lot more really. So let's get into it. Here she is. Elsa, we are so pleased to meet you, you beautiful woman, you. Thanks for coming on our podcast today. Big warm welcome. How are you? Good, good. All good. You're here. Beautiful day. So can't complain. Good. You might be like, how is Melbourne? Is it still cold there or like getting better? We had a beautiful day yesterday, but it's raining and horrible today. <laughs> Melbourne, I guess it changes all the time. Yeah, every hour it kind of changes. <laughs> Yeah. Always nicer and sunny in Byron, that's for sure. Yeah, beautiful here, beautiful. <laughs> it's getting like I have a beautiful view and I can see the the whales. Oh, wow. Because the they're just coming back, some of them with their little babies already oh, and they come amazing. really close to the shore. So it's just like beautiful. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, jumping sometimes, some moments, yeah. I wish we were there with you yeah. in Melbourne, <laughs> not in cold Melbourne. <laughs> Elsa, there is one thing that we always like to find out about our guests before we get into our conversations, and that is, what did you want to be when you were growing up? What I wanted to, um, well, first, I, like, I always loved animals so much that I, I wanted to be a vet. I think every kid, even my daughter already nine years old, she just like wants to, she knows more about conservation and now it's another thing. Now it's like more like a conservation and saving animals and that's what she wants to do. But I guess when we were little, it was more like just taking care of the animals and just like veterinarian was the most like easy thing that you know that you won't interact with animals all the time. So I wanted to do that. But then when I started to get older, then it started because my, my grandfather was an actor, Romanian actor, and he used to play with me a lot and doing different characters and like... And my mom explaining to me that's his work. I was like, that's his work, just having fun, just like doing these like fun characters and just like dressing up and doing all those things. So I was like, I want to be like, I, I want to do that. I want to do what he does. He's always happy. He just does different things all the time. And then I got obsessed. So I didn't know what exactly was being an actor, but I just want to be what, what he was doing because it was so much fun. So, yeah. And then it got crossed also to be like a war international, like uh, because I wanted to travel journalist so and then it was between both of those and I studied both of those journalism and, and acting. Nice so you were born in Madrid in Spain so we'd love to hear a little bit more about your childhood what was your childhood like? I grew up in a city in this like middle of a city uh, Madrid capital so just surrounded by not much nature <laughs> So, yeah, and like walking to school every day and like I was really lucky. My my dad was a very like he loved sports. So he was just we would go skiing together. He was windsurfing, go to the ocean a lot. Every summer we'll go to the ocean. So and really get into sports and like with the bikes outside. He really loved it. So he made me really going outside and doing sports and seeing like and traveling. So that was lucky for me to just fall in love into that kind of life. So since I was little, like I would just wanted to live with animals in somewhere in a farm or like out of the city. I really never liked it to be there. So that was always my dream. You always need to find a little bit of escapism when you when you live in a city, don't you? Especially if like, you know, your heart and your soul sort of drives you to nature or animals or more to than what a city life provides. It's beautiful, but as a kid, I think it's just like that feeling of freedom that just like running without being, which are with the cars, which is like that for me, for my kids, I thought it was really important like to be like 
just that freedom of running wherever they want to be, like barefoot, like whatever you would dress like or not dress. My my kids were naked almost still like everywhere, but like outside of the house, you know, and that that's such a like good feeling and barefoot all the time. And yeah, you can't, those things you can't do really in the city unless like, you go on a farm and they can run in the grass and all that. So just, yeah, I think it has pros and cons like, like both of them because being in a city you can learn so many things you have museums and things more cultural like but my obsession was always animals and outside and nature so that's what I wanted to just give to my kids too when they would grow up I was just like I need to be somewhere like that yeah so important for kids like you say that freedom of just like running barefoot and not having too many restraints it's so important for children's creativity and um their development as well yeah just being able yeah. to explore in the outdoors yeah exactly we took my kids out uh, the other day just to the we can't go right to the beach at the moment because of the lockdown that we're in but the bay that's not too far and my kids literally just ran and ran and ran and they were just squealing they were so happy just to be able to be in an open space because we're right in the middle of the city so we don't yeah I can't imagine how hard like it just should be like being like with kids in the city and not even able to go to the park or as you say to the beach that they used to. I was just like I feel in my like so lucky that we can still just enjoy outside. It's like hard times and in that way to be just exactly in the city, not let them just run whenever they want because there's also you just whenever they want to do it, you can not always do it so it's just so <laughs> I feel so bad for you guys yeah <laughs> so thank hard. you we'll, we'll take <laughs> your heartfelt feeling <laughs> oh, bad no. for us we feel bad for us too oh, oh I know it's it not sucks fair. to say not the fair. least yeah it sucks we'd love to know a little bit about your early acting career and when you did move from Spain to LA how did you find that transition and what was the main driver of the move to LA well, I guess like um, for me, I always will always love to traveling and going around the world and in, like no different languages. So like my profession was great because he it did allow me to go like anywhere I can do acting. So I I spent some time in France and I did a couple of movies in France and I learned French. And then I went to Italy and I did like a another couple of movies in in Italy. And I learned either Italian too, just for being a few months there. And because I also speak Romanian, it's easy for me having two languages in my head. Like it was really easy. They're all Latin. So just being there and forcing yourself and like having to learn your scripts in, the, like in that language just made me just really make an effort. So, and I loved it. So, and then there was a point that um, I was like, well, what next? And I was like, well, maybe I loved always to challenge myself and just like, even if I was by myself and it's hard, it has like, it has a beautiful things. And another part is really hard because you're away from your family, away from your friends and you are sometimes really lonely. But I was like, okay, let's try. And for some reason, I went to New York and spent some time there. And because of my work, they say to, I could apply to, to a green card. So when I was there with my friends, I applied to a green card and I was in Spain one day and the green card just, they say they approved it. So I was like, okay, this is a sign. I have to go because I have a green card. I can live there. So I took my dog and I moved to LA because New York and spent some time there and it was too cold for me. I was like, I can't do the winters in New York, even if I love the city and I had so much fun. So, and I went to live to, in Venice, close to the ocean in there in a little, little apartment with my dog and just like... I didn't struggle that much as like I know the story of a lot of actors going there with no money and everything. I was in a good position because I worked a lot in Spain. So I made money in there and I did movies. I have money to just have an apartment and just like take care of myself and not struggling. So it was just like as a, an experience to learn more English, to just study in English and trying to do movies there too and work there. So I wouldn't say it was the most difficult and hard because it's just it's different in culture totally with what I was used to, you know. In LA, is very, it's not that social, I feel, like compared to Spain, that we're outside, you know, we walk everywhere, we have, like, drinks at night. Every, like, it was just lonely. I felt really lonely there. So it was, like, I guess doing a lot of exercise, being in Venice, it helped me a lot and just to my mental health. And just I made it because a lot of people just in Spain, especially because it's such a different culture they come back they're like now so so I was able to just be there and traveling sometimes to do more work in Spain back and forth and yeah it's been at the end like kind of like 
nine years in, in LA. It's quite a long time. Did you find that it was difficult to connect with people in LA, like make friendships? I felt it was just different way of living. Like men, like you need to be like two hours in the car and get in the traffic. And I was like, I don't want to be in the car. So at the end, you're like, I'll stay in Venice, but it was not not much going on at least you have so I, I really focused there a lot to doing fitness it was obsessed because that was Venice a lot like people was there bicycles there was All the, the outdoor gym, gyms you know, the, yeah yeah the gold gym there so I was just full on into that period of like just training 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 I would go with my roller skates and going like rollerblades just going all the way from like almost you will do almost Venice to past Santa Monica just almost Hollywood just like just for exercise and just seeing the ocean. So I really, it was my period of getting healthy, very, it all started there in LA, actually. There was a lot of restaurants, like just very healthy kind of like veggies and protein. And like, so I learned a lot of fitness in there. It was just really good for me in that way. So instead of just like more of the social part, I felt lonely, but I just, I really got into health and fitness. Yeah. And you mentioned that you speak a few languages. Do you speak five languages? Is that right? Yeah. Well, you know, Europe is, is you know, you have to kind of. It's so different to Australia, isn't it? Like we're in this little bubble in Australia and for some reason we feel like we don't need to learn any other languages in the world. That's but... right. You don't need it. Like for us, you just like, you travel for two hours and you're in a different country and just like, hey, you don't speak, you can't communicate and people just don't make that or an effort to try to speak in English or in, in Spanish, not at all. It's like, okay, you, you are in France, you have to speak French, you know, but then you just try and living there makes you actually really try. And I guess Romanian, my mom's Romanian, she always talked to me in Romanian and I, I grew up with Romanian and it's another Latin language. So I have to say that was easier, like French and Italian. They has a lot of words in common and the same. Yeah, for me, learning English was the most complicated one because like we have rules in Latin and it just, it's very organized. Like I felt like English is like, didn't make sense to me at all. So Your English is, your well, English is amazing. There was a lot of work though. I mean, like even still every movie that I make, I have to just like, work with a dialect coach so much you know because this is still like the music everything is different you know and uh so yeah I guess just traveling and makes you just learn languages and without even notice it like just easy very easy though do you speak Spanish with your kids yeah home? I'm speaking Spanish all the time to them and like they are because we haven't been able to travel like my plan was because here they don't have that necessity of uh, speaking in Spanish. It doesn't make sense for them till we go there and they're like, oh, my God, they, everybody's talking to me in Spanish. I need to answer. So here I talk to them in Spanish. They understand everything, but they, they talk to me in English and they, they answer me in English. So the plan was going to Spain and have that like at least every year to spend one or two months there. We can't do it now. But I think they have it in their brain because I've been just – I know it will be easy for them the moment they go to Spain, they will like start to just get in and click. And I think it's so important for the kids. It, it made such a big difference for me to just trying to be bilingual since you're a kid because it does something in your brain that for some reason you get just other languages after easier. My daughter's just started learning Chinese at school this year. She's in prep and she has picked it up so quickly. It is crazy. Oh, no. And then you will know that having that, when it goes to China, if you spend some time there, she will immediately get it because it's like their brains are sponges. They're getting everything. And you realize after with the years, it's so much difficult. When you're old, there is no way. You have to put so many hours. But for them, it's just that. And I was just trying to convince even like the schools here. I was like, some of them, they were like, why they need another language? It's like, it just really, it's so great for them, you know, just whatever exactly Chinese, whatever that makes that click in your brain because it just opens a key that then any other language, they will be open, their brain is open to just learn it. I think you're right. It's sort of like a key that opens up something different in your brain. Once you understand one, and like you said, the similarities in all the Latin languages, it's kind of like Italian, French, Spanish, there's a lot of similarities or a lot of the same rules that you can follow. But English is just annoying. <laughs> like, I will say, why this is like this? And why are you saying like they, this sound or this letter sometimes has this sound and sometimes it is a rule? No, it's just because. I'm like, but how can I know? It was like, you have to guess. I'm like, God. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like a stab in the dark. Exactly. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd love to hear a little bit more about just your family life and, you know, how your relationship with Chris began and the story of how you guys decided to start a family together. Tell us a little bit about that time. So we were both in LA, like <clears throat> both working in our careers and like um, some dialect coach that I was working for my for my English and he was working for his uh, British accent. So she decided that we would be a great couple and she was insisting all the time and like but for us to meet and we didn't know each other at all. We we didn't see each other. It's just she's like she shows both photos of each other. And we're like, oh, okay, sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> and like it took us a while to just like to call each other because it was kind of a blind date. We didn't know nothing about each other. Yeah. It was a bit awkward. <laughs> yeah, it was so awkward. So we have the first like yeah, bland day. We just call. I remember calling him and just like, for me, like voices, in, in, especially men, is something really attractive to me. And I just hear like Chris's voice and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> 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 like, I knew he wouldn't even understand me. So I'm like, I'm going to leave you a message. I don't want to talk to him because he's not going <laughs> to understand me. So, and he had a very Australian accent too, which it was really hard for me. So I think in the beginning, of, like we didn't understand each other at all. <laughs> maybe that helped you just you just nod and agree and <laughs> yes so and then we had like a, just a coffee and like yeah sure and then we both just went to different projects I went to Spain and then we met again we had dinner and just yeah we started knowing each other and liking each other I guess <laughs> and uh and having good times and yeah, then we, everything happened really quick because we really click with each other. And um, yeah, we just decided we were like, first time we, our families were meeting and we decided to go to Bali, to Nihiwatu, to this island to spend holidays there for his family and my family. And it was just for like, it was a year that we've been together, not even a year. But we were like, oh, our families are there. It was like, why well, we don't get married? It was just really like, <laughs> I love oh. that. I love, I love that you did oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. I really, I, it was not my thing to do. And in Spain, we do huge, well, here too, but we do huge weddings. And I've never been a fan of it for some reason. I just like, I was like, well, you are with so many people in that day. And not with the person that you want to be. And like, I guess after a lot of years, you want to do more people. But because we met in one year, I just wanted to be with him. So we just decided, okay, let's get married. It was like that. We just like, it wasn't like nothing super romantic neither. It was just like, let's get married. Spontaneous. Everybody's there. Everybody yeah, that's really so but romantic. That is romantic. Spontaneity is one of the most romantic things, I think, in relationships. We actually got there and they were like, the guy, I didn't, I just have my dress. And the only thing I just plan in like three weeks. And I was like, the guy, when we got there, was like, so what day are you planning to get married? It's like, we are like, I don't know, whatever. You tell me. Maybe the 22nd. So it's just before Christmas because it was Christmas times. And Chris is like, yeah, sure. But if it's good surf, like we just postpone it. Okay? <laughs> oh, I, I like, love that. Oh, that sounds like my husband with the surf. He loves to surf. And it's yeah, always about like, if the surf's good, everything else is off the table. That's right. I learned that from the beginning. <laughs> that was the first time I was like, okay, I guess surf is the first thing. <laughs> and what about kids? Was it like a conversation that you started having straight away? Was it something that you both? I'm a little bit older than Chris. So just like nature was like earlier than him probably calling, you know, would like as a woman that suddenly for some reason you just like, Kids are like, oh, no. And then suddenly you're just like looking at the kids. We're like, it's totally nature. I feel like that. It was just like so bizarre because you're like suddenly attracted to kids and looking at the kids and like, you're like, I want that, which is like something that you never even looked before. For some reason, you like them, but not that maternal kind of thing that you just want to be that person with a kid. We just have the conversation and Chris was like, I'd, I'd also just done a lot. I worked so much. I work in Europe, but like, because it started really early and Chris was kind of starting his career. So we were at different moments, but I said, look, I've done it. I'm not like, just like my ambition is like, I wanted to keep working, but I was like, I, my ambition in that moment was just having a family. And I was just like, so I'll do that. I'll let you just work because that's what you're going now. And we just follow if you want to. And like we had that conversation and he agreed. I was like, I'll be there. I'll support you and I'll be with the family. And in that moment was something that I really feel and I loved it. And I wouldn't say that it was easy all the time, but 
but yeah, but we got like into that and, and we were happy to just go on. And I know he was like, it was not maybe his best moment to decide like, yeah, I'm just starting my career. I'm going to have kids too at the same time. You know, it's like a lot to do. So I have to say for him that he was just, he got into it and it was like, I'll do both. And he did great. And it's not easy because he was working really hard too and being a dad. So what was that like for you guys at that time? Obviously you've been pregnant with your first child together and Chris his career was really taking off. Was that, you know, all of a sudden having a lot of really, like a lot of outside attention, what was that like? Yeah, look, I was like, I was super happy because like your first kid is just like, oh, it's amazing. I have a little bit of depression after having kids and now that moment of like, oh, I'm not doing anything. You know that moment where you've been working your whole life and you're very independent and you don't depend on anybody and suddenly you just like, you feel just you and your kid. And I think a lot of women can just rely with that story, you know, that suddenly is like, am I anything else than a mom? Like uh, he will come with all this experience and you're like, he will like, so how was your day? I'm like, just me home. <laughs> just with my kid. <laughs> me and the baby. It's amazing. But like you are like sometimes it was like an exhausting, you know, because you don't expect to be and you're not sleeping and, you know, it gets complicated. So so yeah, it was it was hard in the beginning uh, as a mom, you know. But like, um, once you just like, okay, understand how it goes and what is being a mom and how much it gives you back, you know. After, then you just like, okay, I get it, you know. And now you're saying like, it's hard. It's another work. It is so hard. It's the hardest thing we will ever do as women is exactly. be moms. Like, it's the hardest, hardest. And that period when they're babies is just really hot like it's just non-sleeping it's like it's beautiful because you have this amazing but baby and it's your like daughter and you just want to be with her but it's just exhausting too so uh, it was good he was he was also just working hard and trying to be there all the weekends and so it was hard for him too so but you know you go through it and 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 then you love it then it's amazing (laughs) I think that transition that you're talking about, absolutely like every mother can relate to because you go from spending your whole life, you know, maybe working towards your career or whatever it is that you are working towards as an individual and then you become a mother and everything just like drastically changes around you. You're spending all this time at home, on your own often. Yes, like maybe having struggles with, like you said, maybe feeling a bit down or depressed or concerned about who you are your identity like it's just so overwhelming exactly that losing your identity is exactly what it is those other words I feel it's just like till you just get used to it like oh yeah it's it's difficult but it's beautiful at the same time you know but you can rely on like a lot of women having been going through that for sure yeah I think like the sooner you can sort of surrender to the process and just accept that I do have this beautiful child and this is what I wanted and and I will get some of my identity back at some stage. Like the sooner you understand that, the easier it becomes. But I definitely struggle with that as well and still do. I'm still a little bit like, who am I now that I'm a mum? Yeah, yeah, because you still have like your routines and everything. You know, I, I remember I used to read so much and I know about so many things like you are like, and like the news and the newspapers and everything will come and it's like, and you know, when I'm having conversations and then you're like, and the people ask you, I'm like, I, can't remember, I don't know what's going on in the world. I don't have time. Like, I can't. My brain. I can't. I can't my yeah. You're like, yeah. I'm getting like, my brain is not working anymore. I'm not an interesting person. I can't even talk about anything yes. because I don't have time to be doing that, you know? So Yes. Yeah. What have I got to give apart from oh, that bar from exactly. milk and burping and sleeping? How and many no poos sleep? has yeah, my baby done time. this week? Like, oh, all that it's stuff. So yeah. It's like, it's just not that interesting. Like, yeah, I changed like so many nappies and she put today three times, four times. And like, <laughs> there was an explosion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I'm not that interested anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was saying to Soph, yeah. I read something that said the more children you have, the more productive you become, which I thought was so interesting. I'm like, well, maybe because you have more kids, but you have less time. So you just have to get stuff done. Yeah. You, you become multitasking. Then you just like become superwoman. 
Then you say, I'm doing, I, I, yeah. I'm able to do everything. I mean, you try to, but yeah. it's sometimes you're like, I do this anymore. But you try, it's that moment. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work. I'm going to get the kids. I'm going to take them to school. I'm going to know everything about what they're going in school. I'm going to help them with the homework. And then I'm going to run and do my own work, you know. <laughs> we definitely wear capes as mums, I think, superwoman capes. But that's exactly what my mum says. As well, Kay, she had six kids, Elsa, and she says the more I had, the more the easier it got. They just all wow. entertained each other. <laughs> my God, six kids. I, 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 it just, I'm, they're my heroes. People like, they, I still like, they have so many kids. I'm like, I don't know, you totally my hero. And then they tell you, and I keep working, I do this. And I'm like, how, how the hell you can do all those things, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, my that was my mom too. She was working as well and a single mum for many years too. And now I look at her, now that I'm a mum, I'm like, you are amazing. I always knew you were, but even more so now. She's, I also wow. think she's a psycho <laughs> <laughs> for having that many kids. But after your first daughter, India Rose, you then had twins. Like tell us a little bit about what it's like having twins. I've got twins in my family too, not my own, but my brother has twins and it's chaos. What's it like for you? If you think one, it was difficult, then two is just like, okay, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just like if you didn't have a life then you're like okay now it's just like even more like because also you have the two but you feel bad for the other one that you're not giving the attention that she needs to so that just like makes you but yeah you just become nothing than like <laughs> just I feel like I almost like a a cow in a way, like milk, another kid, another kid, milk, another kid, playing with one kid. And just like, you just surrender. I surrender to it. And like, this is what it is for a while. And like, as you said, you accept it. This is when it's going to happen. And like, but I look at it now and I was like, it's kind of a blur. Like, it's totally a blur for me. It's like, I don't know how it happened. And and if, I, if I'm the truth, like after having them, it was a long period of time, even they're getting older. Now I start getting babies again. But before I will see a baby, I'm like, ah, great. And I'll stick around. And you know, those moms that they still get more and more babies and they love them. For me, it was like a little bit traumatic for a while that I'm like, you know what? It's great. It's super cute, but I'm not even going to yeah. hold it. I wouldn't even hold another babies of my friends because I was like, Been there, done that. I had so much babies. <laughs> And two, like holding two at the one time. Yeah. And don't take me wrong. It was beautiful. But yeah, I was just like breastfeeding both at the same time because I wanted to have, you know, your first one, you are like whenever times they want to eat. And like, but then when two, you're like, I need on a schedule and I need to be both at the same time. They have to sleep at this time, both of them. Because if not, I wouldn't have any time for India. I will like totally abandon her because you become just like that. Just sleeping, just giving milk, sleeping, like, like trying to rest a little bit. So I was, I become like a surgeon with my boys. It was just like, boom, 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 time in. I have this time to play with India and I just be with her. And then I have to surrender to help too. I was just like, I call my mom. I was like, I need you. I can't do this by myself. I was yeah. like, in that moment. So important to get help, I think, when you have young babies. and Totally. I say to every mom now, because we are so proud of, we want to do it all ourselves. And it just becomes so exhausting. Like, it's just like, it's very difficult. So it's just done, just go for help. Like, if you don't have your mom, just get a nanny or somebody to help you because it's just, you see, like, the mom's just going, like, tired because we are like, we can do this. We can do this. But, but it's like, you just have to surrender and say, some help just to go to sleep, to rest is so much better for them, you know, too. You parent better when you get a bit of rest and when you have a bit of time for yourself then you I find that I'm a better mum then. Whereas if I'm exhausted and not getting any time, I'm no good to anybody. Exactly. You're grumpy, you just like, and then you feel horrible and you're guilty. And like, yes, like, yeah, I always say like, when they have twins, I'm like, just now get a nanny. Just get a nanny to just let you sleep at least a couple of, like a couple of three hours a night or something, you know, because you just, it's just really hard. But it was like, it's amazing. I was like, like they are like like the most beautiful kids and I love them and they just I know they will have each other forever I don't know if like if your twins in your family is such a good thing and such an amazing relationship you know they have which is great yeah yeah they're only little at this stage but um they're also identical so they're just like they're just like wow. a and b you know they're what I mean just like they <laughs> similar personalities too right yeah yeah so cute Elsa how would you describe yourself as a mum 
Um, oh, wow. Probably in the beginning, it was a disaster. <laughs> disaster. Like, like, I guess you start, I learned so much about patience, but I never had any patience in my life. I was like the most impatient person ever. I learned so many things being a mom, you know, but like as a better person in every way. The first one for me is patient, but then to be organized, I was also very disorganized and it was just things would happen like, yeah, sure, I'm going this place. And then like whatever comes, whatever plan I'll go and like go with the flow and like, and then suddenly it's like, no, if I'm not organized, this is like, this is chaos totally. And like, and I still admire so many moms that are much more organized than me. How can they do so much more than me? So it's just like, I'm like, oh my God. She's like, it's just about being organized. And I try. I try really hard. Mm, organization is key. I to do things, yeah. And I was like, you have to see me in the morning. It's like, where's the other shoe? And just like <laughs> being late. And I was like, I have to go. Get in the car. My shoe. And I was like, and then I see moms that they have all the shoes and all the things ready the night before. You know, I'm like, oh, I wish I was that person. <laughs> we did not have that in the mornings, you know. So... I guess just like you learn, you learn about yourself and so many things, you know, that makes you change. And But then I'm not not strict at all. So it's just even harder because my mom was nothing. My mom had two only child because I have a brother that's 15 years younger than me. So I was an only child. When I was 15, I had my brother and I was almost just out of the house. Like I was kind of the nanny almost of my brother. So like it was easy for her. So I get everything what I wanted. So my kids in the moment and insist and like I don't give them the consequences. Everybody is like, they have to have consequences when they don't do the thing. And I'm like, I know, but I can't. Yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> I get yeah. there, exactly. I guess I, I'm still learning. I'm still changing the way I like approach motherhood and I still want to learn more and more, you know, how to do it. Because every night you go to bed and it's like, I wish I would do that oh, different. Mom guilt. Like I'm guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish you didn't have all that guilt if you do the things right, but it's so, it's so difficult. It's a constant work in progress, motherhood. Yeah, but I, I'm enjoying the process though, just to learn and to be a better person, you know? Yeah, you learn a lot about yourself, that's true. And you, yeah, you learn a, ho a whole lot of new skills as well. Yes, yes. You were saying before that you made a conscious choice to sort of put your career on hold and, you know, allow Chris to follow his at the time you know, while you were starting a young family and having kids, did you feel like it was a sacrifice? Uh, at that moment, no, like, because I, I, I've done a lot and I, it, it just becomes after, like, it was harder and harder when, like, Chris will go all the time and you were like, oh, I wish I could do some projects, do things. And he was doing what I was passionate about it. So he would come with all his stories and things and I was just like, oh. But then I was like, it will get, that's the good thing, it gets, the time to come back you know there's a moment that you start feeling when they start going to school that you're like oh suddenly you have time and they don't need you as much so I guess like is that the moment of like you start thinking oh maybe I can get back to work a little bit and start doing but then then you have that guilt of like being away because our work is just going for three months and you have to take them with you and then if Chris is working so and like, but I say, but we did just start figuring out things and it's like, it goes and then you, I got a little job and I was like, oh, it's not that bad. And the, you, you know, the kids are happy too. And I feel it's good for them too, that you're not there all the time and they miss you and um, that they're also proud of yourself, you know, because there's that thing like, oh, you see dad is like, oh, that's all these movies. And you see them, it's like, wow. And they're like, you and you, mom, you're just a mom. You know, I'm like, you don't even yeah, know. You have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> So it's just good because uh, I feel like for women, it's just that push to just like do your thing. And even if it's hard, because it's really hard to leave them, but then you feel so proud of yourself to just being able to do that. And that your kids just like, they see your movies or whatever that you do. And they're like, oh, mom also does things and does both. And she's with us and also she's uh, working. Definitely healthy for them to see you work and to see what you do and see you in a different light than just mom in her trackies at home. I, for me, it was really hard to leave them. I was very attached to them because um, I was like, I didn't have my parents when I grew up. I didn't live with my mom. I just lived with my dad and he worked a lot. So I didn't have that sense of family, you know, of every day, family together. And I was craving that. I just wanted that. 
So it was really hard to go back. Even my mom was like, just go back to work. It will be great for you. But I was like, I don't even want because I don't want to be separate from them. So I really have to work on myself and just feel like it's okay. It's okay. You can do this. And once you start, you're like, oh, okay, it's not that bad. But it was really hard to just go back and not feel guilty. And I miss them. I want to be with them. What am I doing? But now I think just like you feel they're growing and they're just more independent and like they have school. And I think less and less, they will need you less and less. And then if you don't push yourself to do other things, even hobbies, even like sport or whatever you do, something for yourself, you know, instead of depending all on them. I think it's just really important for like moms to just do that, make that step, you know, and just like to dedicate to yourself and what makes you happy and find whatever makes you happy, you know. Now that your kids are a little older, are you more selective in what work you do take on and and I guess who you align yourself with as well? Yeah, I approach work in, in such a different way. Like before I will do whatever and like I just like that ambition also to just more and more and get more and just high level. And like I think you lose that ambition almost. You want to work, but like you want to do things to just like feel good. Like it's not that hunger, you know, that just like it's different. So it, I feel you enjoy it even more because then there's like exactly you get the quality jobs that you know you're going to enjoy you're going to have fun and you're not going to miss them that much and it's going to make you really proud so yeah you get really selected which is I think it's a good thing you know I just got whatever really brings and now it's going to bring me a lot of joy and I'm going to be proud after finishing that I left my kids for that you know and I'm happy also to not I learned to just also don't know like I'm going to work work now I'm just like, well, if it comes, comes. If not, I'm happy just to be home too, you know. You were talking a bit before about being such an animal lover and a nature lover and as we know you're a global ambassador for Swiss these days, um, mutual friends of ours, and they have some amazing environmental initiatives that I know that you've been involved in. Can you tell us about some of the experiences that that, that's provided for you? Yeah, I think every brand that I get um, to work with, it has to have like same values that I have. And like, I really feel like all the companies have like some reason, like they make money, but also do something for the planet. It will be so amazing because all these big companies will make a big effort for this change and because they're making an impact a lot in our environment so they should give back so I decided every company or brand that I work with they have to have that and Swiss was one of them they're like very environmentally friendly and they have they share a lot of the values that I do have and I, their respect and yes I did a, f- a few things I went to the to the Jara River and we were planting trees and reforestating, like replanting, which it was good. And they they cared, even if it's a little thing, but it means a lot, you know, and it makes me happy working for a brand that, you know, they care. And it's about the message as well, isn't it? Exactly, because you can inspire people. Whatever they decided to do, I don't know, oceans, replanting, like a plastic, whatever, like anything can help. You know, and those are like, we can do a lot as ourselves, but I feel like it's big companies that they need to make that change. And even nothing will happen till they decide to do and make a change and just do something in return, especially if they're doing a lot of damage. I have to say, as Soph just mentioned, you are a massive animal lover and we were both watching the video on your Instagram of you helping deliver the baby foal. Oh my God. Oh my God. And you were really getting in there, your bare hands. Like what an amazing experience that must have been. Yeah, that was like, it's more like I did it for my kids, but I did it for me because it was like my dream. Like I, I love horses. Like I love, it was my dream always having like a farm with horses. And that was like I, the only thing I wanted since I moved here because I knew the space in Australia and I just, that's what I wanted. So I started having like some horses and I was like, I want to just have like that experience to have a little horse since they were born. I was lucky to go to some friends so Arafield I know the owners and they took me there to see their horses and they taught me how to just deliver a little calls like I was there and they let me just be hands-on so then I was like confident enough to just say I can do this by myself too so yeah we had it like I, I had a little a little horse that is amazing <laughs> like a little mare yeah 
and we just there. I knew more or less when it would happen, and I just I woke up the kids. We were lucky because usually it's like middle three in the four in the morning, but this happened like at eleven, so the kids were already sleeping. But I wake them up. Get up! Like, What's going on? Where are we going? It's like, <laughs> we're gonna see this. This is gonna be amazing. You will remember this forever. Absolutely! And wow! I, and I was like, I knew what to do, so I was there, and like they were looking, like they were a little bit shocked. I think my daughter. Loved it, but the boys were at some point. It was like it's a lot going on. I don't know if I can watch this. <laughs> oh, yeah. what an experience for them! I will never forget it. And it's just like, and she's beautiful. She's called at Koa, and now it's like one of our, our horse leader. She's growing now from like being in my arms. Now it's just a big one. She's getting bigger and bigger. And now for India, she's riding so much. She's like growing up to be her horse one day, and that will be amazing because she's so happy. Oh. Yeah. What did you name it? Akoa. Akoa. Ah. Which is a spirit. It means a spirit. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. So given that you are such a nature and animal lover, does the state of our climate make you worry about, you know, the planet that our young children are going to inherit? Oh, so much, so much. It makes you so sad. I, I, everything that you watch, for me, I was very, I've been always, I worked with Oceana and I've been seeing everything that we've been doing for all this time without maybe knowing. We didn't know, basically. Oh, they've been telling us, but we couldn't, didn't want to listen or like, it's so sad because once you know the impact that we're making in this planet and how much we're destroying and how much actually we're kids or like even our grandsons, they won't see at all because we're not, we're not making the changes that we need to do for that to not happening. Like the, the ocean is horrible. Like the ocean is just, uh, they reckon that 2045, it will be no no fish in the ocean, which is like, imagine for me, like going, like I love scuba diving and that world is amazing to see. And you can see in the Mediterranean, it's gone. Like there's nothing. I remember like looking and watching a lot of fish and there's nothing I go there now and just like nothing. So it's so sad. I think we we really drastically have to make a change. I don't know how now COVID has distracted us so much for what is also happening in the world, you know, and I really, and I think it's just like we are conscious and our our future are them and our kids and, and they know and they're suffering it and I think they're going to be warriors and they're going to try to change a lot. But it's still for us, it's a lot to do. And if we don't do, then there's nothing that they're going to be able to do. It's all about us and we do make an effort personally, but it's more about it's government, it's companies. Those are the ones who have to make the change. And at least that we don't make all our attention for the government to do that, we're not going to be able to do anything. So it's very devastating, it's especially like the ocean. I don't know if like... You can watch that. I just watch and it make me like, because now it's always like how you're vegetarian, you don't eat cows, but then you see the ocean and what is happening and what the companies of like fishing companies are doing and how much destroying that you're like, okay, I just need to stop eating fish, which is like so sad because at the end it's like, what can I eat? Yeah. <laughs> plants. Plants are your friends. <laughs> exactly. Plants, but even plants, like we couldn't, like the whole planet eating plants, at least that we plant them personally, it would be impossible, you know? growing like your own growing veg veggie garden farms like local farms just eating local there's a lot of things we, we can do you know and what the documentary i'm talking is conspiracy and i just recommend to everybody to watch it but it will make you really sad do you have hope like are you in a position of hope we have to be listened by the governments and i start i think australia and i'm not really i'm, I'm coming from spain and we're just doing but I, I consider myself more australian than anything now and, and yep. i think we we have a lot to do. We are like a little bit like behind from other countries. Oh, I totally agree. We're so behind. So behind. We can push, I like it's everybody pushing and like getting all the attention that even we're doing with COVID, which is impressive and like, yeah, different opinions, but like we are actually making people divide in our opinions and fighting for some reason that is great. But at the end, it's like, well, so worried about the vaccine, but we're not going to have a world to live in. Yeah, if the, what's if the, the ocean what's the dies, we die. Yeah. We die. I don't think people are still is really conscious about that. And we, we have to go to the streets more like for those reasons. Like, you know, I think everything is important, but that, that where we live and like how much damage like that we have to give back. And I think there is hope, but we have to act. And then if we don't get together to do that, 
it will never change. Well, it's great just to have the conversation with you because we're in such a critical moment right now. Like there's a lot of conversation about the ne- next generation being the generation of change, but it's going to be too late by then. So it's great just to even have the conversation and the awareness is everything. Yeah, and I think nature is like showing us like all that is happening, it never happens. So it's even happening quicker than we thought. So, and I think nature is like, hey, we just, it's happening like flooding, like rains, like fires. It's just like, it's totally like nature is like, you can you listen? This is like. It's right in front of everybody's eyes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your personal health because I'm just looking at you now through a screen, obviously, but you're just such a picture of health. How do you do it? And where does this dedication to, you know, fitness and health come from? As I said, I think it started very much in like when I was by myself and in LA and didn't have nothing to do, which is like isolation. I think the only thing that can save you from your own getting totally crazy it's uh, being healthy we were talking the other day why we actually don't say that more that you're healthier less that you have chances to get like COVID and to get sick and mental health that has been so many problems I think like the only thing can save you is like eating healthy just more than ever do a lot of exercise you know even if you're home and I know it's harder and harder but you have to push yourself more and more to just do that you know but where do you get the energy <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially with three kids at home you know because it makes me feel good like once you get into that uh, circle of like okay if I just take like at least 10 minutes and 20 minutes that's something that makes me start changing my body you know and you feel it and you just feel stronger you're like oh this is great okay maybe tomorrow I do half an hour you know and then you get so I know it's very complicated to start because even me, when I stop for a while, I'm like, oh, get back to it. But the endorphins work. So like I, when I'm in a bad mood, I know that exercise is the only thing that just shifts it. And if you start knowing that on yourself, I think you get addicted to it. You're like, what is like what makes me feel good? When I feel healthy, when I eat healthy, your body starts changing, you start being happier. And you just get more and more energy. So I think it's just, I am not saying it's not, it's easy. Nothing is easier, you know, and like to be healthy, it's a total fight against your own like laziness and like better to be watching a movie and all that, you know, but how you feel after and when you go to sleep and you say, I feel so proud of myself, you know, that I've done something great for me. And it's just like, once you get in that circle, I think you just get addicted. And so the hardest is the change. I started in LA and I get really into it. And now I can't live without it. In the moment, I two days that I do, don't do exercise, I really feel like, like really yuck. <laughs> I know, it's like, and I know my energy and my mood changes. I've been doing like lately, like, but really like getting like super cold shower in the morning. <laughs> and it's, so hard like I were like it was a mo- when I was younger I used to do it, and then I stopped because you start in that like oh no it's not but then you are like oh just every time I'm going to put the, the cold water and I'm like I hate this I hate it but I'm going to do it and just you do it and you just suddenly you are like oh. so like your brain turns. yeah it's so invigorating so it's just like it's another little moment that's just a little thing that you say like oh I went against all my feelings and I just beat myself and I feel good about it, you know, and I just, I win that battle against myself and my laziness. You're inspiring me, Elsa. Yeah, I'm going to get out I'm there today. Inspired. Maybe not, I can't, I'm not a good runner, but I'm going to go for a really good power walk, I think today. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, how good do you feel after? Even you're like destroyed and you wanted to go to sleep early, but like, you are like, yes, I've done it. You know, it's that battle to yourself that I was always wanted to win. And you feel better if you win that you're like, that you lose. A competition against yourself. Exactly, exactly. So that's what I feel like, oh, I just make you proud and like um, I make you change. And like, I think that can inspire people to just feel better and and like just change these little routines that you have on day to day. And um, and and now it's so important because people being at home and I know how hard it is and you have your kids and you have work and it's like what the hell is like but I'm like 
even when I do the walk, instead of walking, I do lunches and people look at me, what is she doing? And I was like, well, instead of walking, I'm losing my time. So I do lunches and I just like, <laughs> I work my glutes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I feel like the next day it hurts. And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm it's picturing changing. you now it's walking around harder. the streets of Byron Bay, just doing lunges <laughs> to the coffee lunges. shop. <laughs> you said something before, like that you consider yourself Australian now or that you consider your Australia home now. Is Australia home for good now? Or do you find yourself missing Spain and the culture in Spain? Because I love Spain. <laughs> I love Spain and I want to spend some time in Spain, but uh, this is home for me. I love it. I love being here. It's just like something special about Australia that I really like. And like nature out here is amazing. Landscape everywhere you go, it's beautiful. It's space and it's like, you know, we have very beautiful places in Europe, but like this all full of people. I can't believe it until you go to the beach and there's nobody. That never happens. It never happens. Like that feeling of like, wow, it's a space and beautiful nature, just you and nature. Wherever you go in a beautiful place and when I was living, it would be, and because they're very beautiful, you will feel like there's a hundred people there with you. So I did lose that. And it's just so like, you don't know what you have till you just experience all the things. I love it. And I still will keep going to Spain and trying to get that culture in my kids and and learn about Spain but I think we would like yeah we won't move from here we're happy to have you we're happy to keep you Elsa we never want to let you go but we're going to have to let you go because you are a busy woman you're a little further along in your motherhood journey than we both are so what would your top mum tip be Oh, just like I think that for me is being patient. Like it's the most thing you can do with everything, with homeworks, with them. Like when they're like running away from you, you tell them to do something. I didn't know. It's just like breathing and like take your mom and it's like, oh, it's okay. Let's start again. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Elsa. It's been beautiful chatting to you. Thank, Thank you, Elsa. It's been yeah. really nice. Wish you luck. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes, hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common or you can check out our Facebook page which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.